This is Revisiting Haven. Hey guys, this is Amy J coming at you with an interview from Haven's own Sean Pierce. For those of you who don't know, Sean is the composer for the music on Haven, and he was kind enough to speak with us about what he does on Haven and how it came about. So I, when we set this up, I went ahead and sent it to the Twitterverse, and people were like, let me ask if they have any questions. Nice. And we actually did get some, and we had some comments too, which I will send in an email okay. to make it easier uh, without messing okay. it up for them. So, so before we begin, though, um, we were talking about it off record, but go ahead and, and explain how you got into Haven. Well, I got into Haven by getting into a really lovely family. Uh, that involved uh, Michael Piller, Sean Piller, Lloyd Segan, and now Scott Shepard. And I go back way, way back with these guys when I started as a music editor on The Dead Zone in, we'll have to verify that date. It's late 90s or early 2000s. Okay. It might be 2000, might be 2001, might be 1999. <laughs> I started as the music editor and ended up becoming the composer starting on season three, and I scored... Uh, a whole bunch of episodes between seasons three and five. And I stayed on uh, until that, well, actually, I stayed on in Canada until that series ran out in Canada. Then the last season was done down here, and I wasn't involved in that. But from there, I went on to Wildfire with the same group, same family, Lloyd, Sean. Uh, sadly, Sean's father passed away, who was a, a, uh, a real force in television in the world and a real... Uh, a really wonderful, bright guy, and I learned a lot from. And Sean and I became friends. We, he was he was young, and I was young, and we were figuring this thing out together. And you're both pretty pretty young still. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think it's safe thanks to for say. saying that. They're I don't both know if pretty that's young. true, but that's but thank you, Amy. That's <laughs> lovely. Yeah, uh, Sean's young. Sean's younger than me. Um, and uh, we went into Wildfire, and I was on Wildfire for three years. And you did. Wildfire as a composer. So as a composer, So you yeah. kind of now transition from music editor to composer. Yeah, like I was, always, that, I was always kind of stuck between the two worlds because I, I was always a composer and always a writer, but to try and get work when you're young out of college as a composer mm -hmm. is not going to happen. It's, it's that whole thing with you can't have a resume without the experience and you can't have the experience to get hired without a resume. So It's every field. It's every field. So I did whatever I could do mm -hmm. in the industry to uh, stay working in the business, which was a lot of music editorial. Um, yeah, your list of music editing is long. Twitches. Um, yeah, lots streaming. of work for Disney. Um, lots of work for MGM. That's kind of where this... Uh, my, uh, my company that I was uh, partnered with, um, actually another composer in the, in the family here, uh, Pat Caird, who was my, compo my composer friend and partner for a long time, he, um, he and I had a business that did professional music service for film and television in Vancouver because there was so much production happening around that time. Still is, yeah. Yeah. And um, MGM had a big presence there with shows, The Outer Limits, Poltergeist, mm -hmm. The Legacy, yeah. Stargate, SG-1, and I worked on all those shows yeah. when I was really young and sort of cut my teeth by working with a lot of really great composers, learning a lot about music for television. Uh, but being very content in whatever role I was doing, whether it was engineering or um, or music editing. And then on the side, I was sort of straddling this line between 
doing albums mm -hmm. and doing music for television. So I kept this love of doing albums going right until about 2008, and okay. I stopped doing that. I just worked on anything I could do, anything in music that I could find. And so one of the, one of the things I do outside of the Haven website is my own site, trying to encourage people to kind of do their dreams and do the things they want to do. Would you recommend that someone jump in? Like you did, you said that a lot of the experiences helped shape you and teach you the world, or would you keep focusing on trying to find that composer job? Well, that's a really tough question, Amy, because what's changed over the years, technology, the information age has changed yeah. a lot of things. It's also removed a sort of unofficial apprenticeship system where one could start in an earlier position, in a junior position, and work their way up. Mm -hmm. That used to be the way it was in recording studio. Recording studios, you'd start by changing ashtrays and getting food and being a, what they call a runner. Yeah. Then you'd move up to assistant engineer. Then mm -hmm. you'd become an engineer through this apprenticeship system. That model I just described doesn't really exist anymore because that studio model as we know it doesn't really exist. So nowadays, with getting back on topic with, with film composition and working in the film in the film and television industry, those roles, if you're a composer, a lot of times if you were just a composer, you'd have a music editor, mm -hmm. you'd have a an engineer who'd mix your music or record your music for you, you'd have an arranger, a copyist, all of that. Those jobs have now sort of fallen under one umbrella for and usually one person. So I find myself a lot of times, except on Haven, Mm -hmm. Where we do have a music editor in Toronto, he's fantastic, Rob Bertoli, he's great. Um, doing a lot of these jobs myself. So that's, it's discouraging to some, mm -hmm. encouraging to others. I'm, one of the, I'm on the encouragement side okay. of it. Uh, I like to do all these roles, I spend a lot of time doing these roles, I'm confident doing it myself. Mm -hmm. Now with technology, that's made it even easier. So the, the younger generation that's coming up doing uh, doing the, these kind of jobs in the entertainment industry, they kind of learn it all. And there wasn't tape machines and there wasn't tape ops. There wasn't yeah. this. There's Now there's programs that you do kind of everything in the box together. And you can just send and it you, over the internet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You just learn to, to do it all. Mm -hmm. So good and bad, I think it's good. But what it's... What it's... It's... Uh, well, there's the enabling, what it, what it has enabled, but I think sometimes what gets forgotten, if we go back to this resume and experience side, when you're just doing it all, when you're just jumping in and you're starting to write right away and working with picture and everything, you forget about the long lineage of, of etiquette and, and history and working in the business and seeing how it works. Mm -hmm. Because it's a lot of people who are in music think, well, I'd love to write music for television or for films. Right. But, it's not about the music. And that's hard for people to get their head around. It's about the show, right? Yeah. So it's the television, in, in, in our case, what we're talking about, because I'm a TV <laughs> guy, it's about the television industry and it's yeah. about the show. It's not necessarily about the music. It is in some way, but it's not, the music's not featured. It has to support and be a voice. And for someone like myself, that was a, an area and a role I was always very comfortable in being part of something rather than stepping out and mm -hmm. being a performer or being in front of people. I did. A, I spent a lot of time doing that, but I was never comfortable doing that. So I'm comfortable with being part of, of a whole okay. rather than me just sticking out. So the music I write, if we, we relate that to Haven, sometimes it pokes its head out 
as a voice, mm-hmm. which is fun. Right. But a lot of times it's just there as support, which in, in most cases in, in this format and, and writing music for television, which, that's what it does. Which actually, uh, one of the questions is from a Twitter user at Hootenbutt or Mags. Uh, the music seems to fit the show so well. How do you figure out the tone of the show when you first start? That's a really good question. And it was so funny. I was just uh, talking to some... Oh, my music editor out here on the bridge. He and I were, were talking about the first season of Haven. Mm-hmm. And that pilot episode of Haven. Yes. If you watch that, that's four years old now. That is sort of a hodgepodge of every style. We were trying to find out what was going to work in the show. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people involved, a lot of fantastic people involved, and they all kind of had their own ideas of what they wanted the show to be. And I tried to follow that, that connect those dots. They right. give me the dots and I was trying to, they want, let's try some fiddle, let's try eclectic instruments, let's try uh, maybe music of more First Nations or Native American influence from the, from the uh, east coast of Maine. Maybe uh, a little bit more mariner, uh, coastal influence, um, guitars and fiddles, and that kind of thing. So we tried some of that stuff. The fiddle was a big part of the score in the first season. Yeah. And then Sean was not a fan, and he would just pull it out. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times what I'll do, well, I can jump ahead and say what, what we do now, but back then I delivered a lot of what we call stems, to the mix. Mm-hmm. So everything's split out. So if there's a sound or an instrument that's doing too much or not working or not hitting Sean or Scott or, or Lloyd or whomever was on the stage, the, the recording stage at the time, uh, they could just mute that. So not getting too off topic, that was a very difficult but very fun process. Okay. Anytime you start on a series in any capacity, in, in any role, the first season, the first episode is the hardest thing to do because we don't really know what the show is yet. Right. So we tried to figure stuff out. There's some things that stayed throughout all four years, Mm -hmm. and there's some things that went by the wayside, the fiddle being one of them that kind of got tossed. That actually, it's funny how everything kind of just flows. Uh, Sci-Fi Haven, on Twitter again, also, when you spoke about the... um, how some things stayed. One of the things Twitter users or fans of Haven have noticed is that there's one uh, sound that kind of repeats itself throughout that we've noticed. And Sci-Fi Haven was wondering, is there an Audrey and Nathan thing? Oh, these are tough questions. Um, so there's this concept of the motif where, let's see if we can have unique themes that identify every every character. So we started on the on the first episode with the Lucy Ripley mm-hmm. theme. Um, Lucy Ripley, was it, no, was it Lucy Ripley? What was the very first character? That you see? When they were talking about... Well, they talk about Lucy. Lucy. Yeah, Lucy's the... Yeah, the I was Lucy just trying thing. to, like, what, because the, there was a theme, there was a theme for Lucy, um... You know, we're gonna. I'll verify this by us going in and actually looking at some of the music. Okay. Because this theme started, and it was it was in an attempt to try and have a have a sonic identifier, a musical. That one has a legit melody that would identify the past and a certain point in time. 
So, trying uh, to figure out the mystery of this woman's past. So at the end of, I think, the pilot, yeah. there's a scene between Nathan and Audrey, and um, she's talking to Nathan about her past, about yeah. Lucy. At the time, we didn't know it was who she was. And is, is that the moment? You're, you're you know what? It's well. We're going to have to look at it because then you we can will. piece it all together. So okay. this this can all make sense because okay. it's a great question. Um, I wish I could just say yes that there is a Nathan and Audrey theme, and we tried to develop one in when when Nathan first figures out that he can feel her touch. Mm-hmm. So that's the closest one we have. But what happened was, if you just keep playing their relationship then it just becomes about them. And of course we know it's a big part of the show is about the two of them, Mm -hmm. but there's always this history. Who is she? What is her past? What is the story? So a lot of times the other themes come in when they're talking about that. So it's not about the two of them. So it's hard to play the Nathan and Audrey theme Mm -hmm. all the time. So the answer is yes, Mm -hmm. there is a theme for them, but it doesn't get used all that that much. Uh, Because usually it's about... Yeah, but okay. when they're together and when they, when it's an intimate moment or mm-hmm. a romantic moment, yeah, the, when they're talking about them, it's there. What developed over the last couple seasons was this Haven piano theme yeah. that was just done in the pilot as a as just this fun little thing turned into the end credits by accident, right? It's, yeah. And then that theme, everyone started to like that theme and know that theme, so that. It's associated. It's very, when you hear it, you know what it's, right. it's identifying. So we call that the Haven theme now. Mm-hmm. And not, this has nothing to do with the main title. It's, right. it's just that piano piece. But that theme, now I adapt it as a Haven theme throughout. It's always in different variations okay. and different iterations throughout now. I'm going with a show theme identifier rather than individual character identifiers. Which makes sense because the show has grown Yeah. to cover other characters as well. That's right. So we decided to go with this sort of Haven theme, mm-hmm. overall Haven theme, and have it creep in every once in a while. Now, if, there's a few other things that have come in that have stayed consistent. Dave, Vince and Dave, mm-hmm. their thing, their comedy thing. Yeah. Uh, it started in the, in the uh, pilot when they showed up on their bicycle. Mm-hmm. That theme, we still play for them all the time. So that stayed consistent. Duke's thing kind of got away as he got less of a comedic character and more of a serious character. Mm-hmm. We got away. He has a theme for his, for the for the red eyes and and his family curse. There's there's a theme there that okay. that's used every time. Um, so there there are identifiers or things associated are. with characters or yep. moods or yeah there are especially so like now we're into William like what I'm working on right now is Audrey. Uh, comes back in this new season mm-hmm. as somebody else. Right. So without giving away too much information, she comes back as somebody else. So that somebody else, who she is now, she needs a she has a theme. She has her own. Yeah. Okay. She has her own thing. So and that's going to be featured for as long as she is this. And I don't even know because I haven't read the scripts because I don't read ahead of the class. I actually kind of like you guys. Is, I like to watch it as a fan. Okay. So I don't know from week to week. I watch the show. We spot the show, Sean mm-hmm. and I do, and our music editor. And so I'm watching it fresh, sort of right out of the gate. So that actually comes to the to the process part. That um, let's see who asked that. About. Uh, AMS underscore zero four Amy S, who's also the co-host of um, the show. She asked, um, 
Who decides where to add music? Is it the producers or is it you? Is it collaboration? And what's the process of how it kind of works? Another excellent question. Uh, pr producers always are in charge. Sean Pillar takes the lead now officially on the show for creative. Uh, Scott Shepard was a big part of it starting in, se in seasons one through three. Mm -hmm. Scott's still involved, but Sean now is taking the creative production role. He uh, He's in charge of it. So he... The process is when they're cutting the show, they will add what is called temp music, temporary mm -hmm. music. They're drawing that temporary music from the Haven Library, the oh, score so library. That so I've past created. things that you've done right. or that have been in the episode. Right. Okay. So we have four years of that Haven score library that mm -hmm. they draw from and they cut it into the show. Now, what we're finding as we get later and later into these episodes, we found that last season especially and, and starting here on season five, we're finding this temp music, which is Haven score. As I've said, Sean is liking that because it's all Haven music and he likes it a lot. So a lot of times the music that you're going to hear, especially in this season, was placed in ahead of time. Okay. And it's Haven music and we just, we like it so much. Sean liked it so much because he placed it in there that we go, well, let's at least use that theme or let's use that vibe or let's use that kind of sound. Do something that sounds like that or let's just use it. So it's like a basis or... Yeah. Okay. And that temp score, where it comes in, where it comes out, is, is, a, is a map. Then we use that map as the, the foundation for our spotting sessions, our music spotting sessions, mm -hmm. where we find the spots where music is going to come in and where it's going to go out. And during the time where it's in, is it happy? Is it sad? Is it funny? Is it scary? Are we starting a new theme? Because what, and, and just skipping back a little bit, because this is important, when we get into the troubles the the when we get into the um, specific troubles on episodes that are like we have the a a arc the a story which is our whole haven right. arc like season four was really the barn and what's going or mm -hmm. season three yes. uh, then there's our a story and then the b stories are these individual unique troubles in haven mm -hmm. so what we'll do a lot of times is we'll come up with us with a theme for those individual troubles okay. and i forget who i was talking to i was talking to a radio host who did a film music thing and we were talking about haven and one of the episodes i really liked from season one or two was the machines when the machines season come to one. Yeah. season one and that one had a really unique score mm -hmm. where the machines come yeah. to life and we hear that theme throughout and that that happens now um throughout this throughout the seasons kind when they're yeah when they like a, i'm just thinking of one from season four a firefighter trouble i don't know why i just thought of that because it had a unique theme played on a unique instrument um for his trouble just making people self-combust right, right? Mm -hmm. he had a theme so we try and come up with a sound for the unique individual trouble for each episode and kind of play that and that kind of threads the the story together for those specific troubles so in addition as a follow-up uh amy has also asked um how is it determined when to use one of your original compositions or an existing pop song because in several of the episodes probably in season two especially uh things like melissa etheridge yeah. was used and right. placed in there is that also sean that's sean yeah sean usually decides where okay when and where he wants a song like mm -hmm. when we were at duke's in the, in the bar in uh, his bar mm -hmm. 
there was always songs licensed and source playing as source music in the background. Right. Uh, I can tell you that starting in seasons in season five and in, in the first couple episodes, there are some songs and there's some good ones. And, the, and Sean has come up with the concept to put a song in. Mm-hmm. And then it's immediately turned over to our music supervisor in Toronto, Michael Perlmutter. Okay. And he's responsible for finding songs as suggestions, giving suggestions to okay. Sean. And to the director at that point too, if it's something that, that involves anything on set, mm-hmm. um, or if the director has a specific idea to shoot a montage where it could play a song rather so than the, score. Do the writers in the in the script, do they write, you know, there should probably be a song or is that something that Sometimes they of, do. Okay. And that's gonna be a great question for them mm-hmm. when they're when you go see them okay. over there. That's it's fun that you're going to meet those those yeah, folks I'm, over there. I'm that's very great. Excited about yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. Um, because sometimes they will. Like, what comes to mind is um, the Elton John song, but the uh, Ellie Golding version, yes. that was written in to the show. Mm-hmm. They wanted that. It was a beautiful version. It was beautiful, and they, they licensed it. They spent some money on it. And, you know, there is that to consider. I think there was a lot of bigger songs that, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll chase a big song if it feels appropriate, and Michael will go and negotiate it. And, and try and find something. But yeah, Sean and Michael work creatively and collaborate together creatively to try and find the right material for each license. Because it's, it's interesting how in a show there will be both. Yeah. You know, there's the original score and then yeah. there's uh, these songs that are put, and it's almost like you can have two soundtracks, even songs featured in. Absolutely. As well as the original score yeah. you've done. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, a lot of times, well, nowadays it seems they do it a lot more separate. They used to do the prominent songs in the movie yeah. or in the show and then mm-hmm. with a little bit of score scattered in there. Now it seems that, well, again, here we are talking about the technology and the information age again. Mm-hmm. We can release a an album. Which you have, yeah. Right, which we did, which was a very simple process mm-hmm. to have E1, which is great. They supported that concept to put Haven score out on iTunes and sell it as a digital album mm-hmm. only. It's pretty easy to put that together and package it up. Whereas in the old days, we had to you know, print CDs and labels. Yeah, it's almost like yeah. thank you technology for That's allowing right. us to have that. Yeah, and to have it quickly, yeah. to make it happen fast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, that's fun. And with that soundtrack, we're going to release another one. So that was seasons one, one and two. two. So is, is volume two a go? Yeah, volume two will release in September, Excellent. and it will be season three and four. That's excellent. Yeah. So you hear it here first, there is going to be a, a volume two. Yes, there will be. Awesome. Absolutely. Ali, from the internet, is there any particular artist or score from a movie that has inspired you over the years you've worked for Haven? Because in a show as gloomy as this one, how important is it to use music to distinguish the various moods and atmospheres in every scene? I think uh, what's been fun is that some of my favorite TV shows, especially during the time when Haven started, mm-hmm. they also happen to be featuring music by some of my favorite TV composers. So probably the, the most influential one was Lost. Wow. I'd have to say it was Lost. And that, and actually there was a concept at the beginning to maybe try and score Haven like Lost. Like I, I say to try and because Michael Giacchino is in my opinion the best working composer right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he was doing on Lost with the chamber strings and that thing was so awesome was very and so unique and they did a live recording session every week and mm-hmm. I thought well maybe we could do something like that on Haven mm-hmm. 
and we could have this really unique sound. And it's, it, we tried a little bit of it, and the closest I got to it would be the opening of the pilot when, when the guy's running through the woods. Yeah. And it's very, that's very Lost-esque. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I kind of went there, and they all left it. No one really said anything about that cue, but whenever I tried to use that sound again, no one liked it. So I snuck it in there, but Lost was a big influence, and mm-hmm. I just think the way they scored it, well, the way Michael scored it, and um, just the this mystery of not knowing what the hatch was, or mm-hmm. where they were, what the island was all about. Right. There was a lot of similarities yeah, with Haven. Yeah. Of course, we Haven's a different kind of show. It, it's 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 a, a cable show versus a network show. Mm-hmm. There's there's different elements, different things to think about, different different writing, different. Uh, the way it's presented, um, but that was that's an influence in anything that Michael Giacchino has ever written. My other main big influence would be Sean Callery, who Twenty Four, and even though we're not doing electronic music like he did, like contemporary orchestral electronic music mm-hmm. like Twenty Four, he's just an amazing composer. And the idea of using the Haven theme the Haven piano theme and adapting that for all different instruments throughout the show Mm -hmm. as this little unique identifier kind of came out of 24 because that's what Sean Callery did on that show Mm -hmm. the da 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 all through 24 that's the show theme and I don't know if he maybe he called it the Jack Bauer theme but he called it like for me that was like that's the show theme and then he works it in throughout the whole so starting in about season three on Haven now I'm doing this. It's everywhere now, yeah. right? But it's in sneaky little places, and sometimes it's backwards, and sometimes it's, you know. So anytime they talk about the mysteries of Haven or anything like that, I always it. just can lean on that. So I, that's my go-to theme. Mm-hmm. So uh, that answered, yeah, that totally answered the question. I think that, so. that, that's a good question, and you know, so the, yeah, the Sean Callery influence for theme and for just being a great TV composer is. Uh, it's a good a good reference for sure. Well, definitely when when you do anything, whether you're writing or you're making music for something, you're gonna have influences. And mm. Twenty Four and Lost are pretty good influences to have. Yeah. And to say that they've kind of been seen throughout Haven somehow. Yeah, I mean, for me, as I don't know if Sean uh, Sean Pillar or Lloyd Segan or Scott Shepard would agree with that from a show reference, but for me, for a music reference, as sort of my heroes. Mm-hmm in television, working in television, what they were doing and the kind of music they were making was certainly an inspiration for me to try and go down that road and try and be inspired uh, a little bit from what they do, you know? Yeah. And well, I'm sure they have their own version or someone else that may have influenced them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We all do. Absolutely. Uh, So a question from L Mental fans, Uh, Laura Mentals, of course, just joined the season five. That's right. Yeah. uh, a question Elemental fans has is, what's the difference between doing music for Motive and Haven? Uh, another good question. <laughs> Motive is a police procedural that's quite serious, okay. right? And and the not that Haven doesn't get serious, but it's hard to now call Haven a police procedural. Do you know what's really funny too as a side note, and this is a funny thing, because my assistant Adam Lestuka, I wish he was here. He he's he's great and he works with me on all my shows. Mm-hmm. Works with me on Haven Bridge and uh, Motive. Motive. But in all three of my shows, 
There's a blonde cop, female cop. Think about it. So we have Audrey <laughs> and Nathan right. with like the, the blonde cop with the yes. handsome, dark-haired leading man. Yeah, you have Diane Kruger. Diane Kruger and Damien Bashir. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Female, blonde, female Bridge. cop. Right? Bridge. Motive is, is um, uh, what, how come, this is crazy. What's her name? I just watched the show last night. I've, um, Angie. Thank you. Angie. Uh, Angie. And then, and um, uh, her handsome leading man. Mm-hmm. So it's three, my shows are three female blonde cops. I did notice right? that you have a tendency to be doing police. Yeah, violence. isn't that funny how they're just all or at like... Or there's a police There's there. a police... I mean, yes, yeah, Stephen's kind of gone away from it, but yeah. uh, Bridge is police hunting a serial killer. Yeah. Motive is procedural. Every week there's a killer, kind of Columbo-style yeah. thing, and then Haven. I know. Yeah, it's funny how that's worked, but all three blonde leading lady police officers. I don't know, there's something. I guess I have a... You have a I didn't... Kathleen's a police officer, didn't I? Oh, really? I'm just... Oh, I was I'm like, kidding. That is such a small no, that's been funny. No, she's not. No, she's not. But she's a blonde leading lady, and I certainly like the blonde leading ladies. Maybe that's why I get the uh, why I get on all these shows. But um, to the back to the music question, I just think that's so funny with the that they're all like that There's blonde cops with the handsome leading partners. So it's do you so funny. do you and the fact that they're the main characters, not the the man, it's yeah, the woman. It's the woman. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Well, motive is the whole concept of motive, as we know, it's you find out who the killer and the victim are at the beginning and then the rebel. So that in itself is is an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. And it's working and it's doing really well, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an electronic score. It's all it's synth based with one sort of acoustic natural element which is this nylon guitar thing that was in a demo that I did at the beginning of this season that one of the producers really liked and liked that for Angie so Motive is an electronic score with a lot of electronic programming a lot of pads and sounds and darkness with the occasional nylon guitar ostinato riff that happens for Angie it's, a, it's an electronic score, whereas I wouldn't call Haven an electronic score. What we tried to do, well, first of all, the main difference is there's not as much music in Motive as there is in Haven. Mm-hmm. It's rare for a network show these days, like Motive, to, to not have 30 or 40 minutes of music. Haven maybe has, or sorry, Motive maybe has 20, 25. Yeah. Whereas Haven has about 38 minutes of score. In every it's episode. usually throughout. It's yeah, you can see it throughout yeah. and hear it. That's right. So that's one of the big differences is the amount of music. Mm-hmm. With Haven, there's still, even though occasionally it gets electronic, every once in a while, for a trouble or for something unique, we'll go a little bit electronic. But it's mostly try and stay with acoustic guitars. The electric guitar was brought in. The use of the electric guitar was brought in in season two. We didn't do anything in season one. Season two, it came in because there was a, a push and a note from the network saying, we want to make this a little bit more like a procedural cop show. Okay. And they and their specific note was, you know, Nathan and Audrey turning over rocks and finding clues and stuff. So we thought, well, maybe we'll just, let's get a little electric guitar pace coming in. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the first elec- electric sounding instrument that came in to it. Whereas before, you know, we have piano, we've got some bells, We've got some very weird recorded uh, marine buoy kind of sounds. 
that sounded tried to get things that sounded like the sea and sounded like water and that kind of thing. Given where it yeah, is. Yeah, acoustic guitar, some nylon guitar, uh, some strange pad sounds mm-hmm. that were in there. And that was kind of the Haven palette. That's the instrument palette. It's grown since then. It's gotten, you know, we've got a little bit heavier, a little more electric, more electric guitar, heavier guitars, bigger drums. And now, right up to the end of season four, we started to get into a little bit more orchestral elements. So we're starting to get a little grander, mm-hmm. a little more strings. The biggest music that has ever been on Haven is in the last episode of season four. It's mostly orchestral, big strings and big drums. and It's basically now just free-for-all. It, it almost seems like that's is. appropriate, though. It is appropriate. the reveals and the way the story has grown. And, that's right. You know, from season yeah. one to the end of season four, where you have the big reveal and the big yeah. climax. Yeah. Uh, so far that we know of yeah. happening. Like in season four, when they in the last episode, when they go into the, the basement of the lighthouse and the whole floor opens mm-hmm. up and this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's very lost, number one, mm-hmm. right? Which is super cool. But it's also, it gets very orchestral. Yeah. So, so far in, in the first two episodes of season five, not too orchestral. But I know where it's building. I know it's going to get that big again. But there was just no other way to score well, there's other ways. Right. Like on motive, mm-hmm. there's no orchestral music whatsoever. It gets big and it gets emotional, but it gets big and emotional electronically. Synths, synthesizer, synth programming, yeah. you know, strange sounds, mm-hmm. building it different in a different kind of way. Exactly. Whereas Haven requires more quote unquote music, more writing, more legitimate actual writing of, you know, harmony and melody and, and arranging. And so that's where. That's where it went at the end of season four, and I know that probably mid-season five we'll be back there again. Now we know that's it. Well, I don't actually know if we know that's it. That's actually a good... I keep saying, well, this is the final 26 episodes. No one's actually said this is the end. That's a good point, too. Right? We'll see how these two... That's the interesting part is that, uh, you know, while it may seem that way because it's a supersized season, it's not been confirmed. That's right. You never know. We keep yeah. watching and the viewers if are there. they keep getting the viewers, I mean, now we have an international audience that's really into the show. And, Netflix. And a lot of people like yourself who, who does a great job online at promoting the, the show and getting yes. people to know it online. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that I don't have much of. I've always been so underground. I don't have much of an online presence at all. And I'm going to change that. It's, it's my... Sean does have a Twitter account. Yes. I will be on the post, but... Um, he doesn't really post though. Yeah, I know. And I don't, yeah, that's right. And I don't post, but I'm going to start. My thing was always, if I, if I start tweeting about one show that I'm on and I'm not tweeting about the other ones, then how does that, but I'm going to start to get more active online, Facebook Mm -hmm. and Twitter. And just, I haven't never done any social media. I'm pretty old school underground. You does have a website though. Yes. I do have a website that I keep updated that I'm going to update more. Uh, but I'm going to get on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get on Instagram. That's oh, okay. my that's my goal for next week, actually, to go on Instagram and start to get a little more public. Okay. So I'm going to get a little more public and, and give the fans some stuff because I get lots of emails, too, mm-hmm. from fans all the time. Okay. And I know with your help, mm-hmm. with your online prowess, you'll be able to help me uh, yeah, get absolutely. connected with all these Haven fans and stuff. So We'll work on that together. That's like, great. That's not a problem. Right. Nice. So one of the things... Um, speaking about the process and, and the new season and everything that people are wondering is 
how long does it take for you to do one episode? And given the fact that you do three shows, how do you juggle that kind of a schedule? I'm glad you asked me that. What's unique about my situation with my other series mm -hmm. is they don't run at the same time. Oh, perfect. Right? Yeah. And that's what I always have to make clear to my producers mm -hmm. and my bosses because they don't want me. They want, they hire somebody, they want you on that show. They want your now, attention. My situation is rare. A lot of composers, especially, who take on multiple projects, they're working on them at the same time. Yeah. And I, I finished Motive. Motive went into the bridge. The bridge is finishing now, and I'm into Haven. Okay. Haven finishes, and then I'm back on Motive. Motive finishes, and then back on bridge. It's super rare, super unique, mm -hmm. and in there I'll do the occasional movie of the week or something like that, or a documentary or something. But well, does the I like to just be on one. Kind of impede that a little bit. Well, what Sean's plan is is to do thirteen and then take a little break and then do the next thirteen. Okay. Because they're not going to air all twenty-six in a row, I don't think. No, I don't believe so. I, I think, think that they said was they'd air in the fall and then. At a later date. At a later date. And the maybe they'll season. call it a, a season six, a 13-episode season six. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. But uh, I thought they were just going to run all 26. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're make, as you know, we're making all 26. Yeah. But we're going to be mixing 13 at a time. So okay. I'll get a little break after this 13, and then we'll jump into the other 13. Because okay. Sean Pillar's working so hard. like, And that whole crew out there, they need a break. Everyone needs a break. That's a lot to do. 26 episodes, even doing 13, yeah. you know I mean... And they're also having a bit of a compressed shooting schedule this year. They're they're shooting them in. Let's see, I'm way out of my element talking now. You have to verify all this, but <laughs> I think they're shooting in six days now, and they used to shoot in seven. I'm not sure. Um, your whole crew that you're going to meet this afternoon will know all that information. But for me, I usually work on a one. I got a little head start. I usually get a little head start for the first couple episodes. Mm -hmm. I have a couple weeks to do each one which is the case right now, but when we get rolling, it's one a week. Mm -hmm. So I do, I have seven to nine days, really, to write the score, get it approved by Sean, right. make any changes, and then deliver it to Toronto to be mixed. In one week? Within one week, yeah. And do you, so while you're working on one, does it happen that the next episode oh, is yeah. kind of in queue? Oh, yeah, it's waiting. Like, yeah. You might look at like... Oh, oh yeah, so, so we'll of... spot that one while I'm writing one. Okay. And then that one's just hanging over my head and, you know... Just you're so into one in one and so much work, and then the other one's just like you say, it's in queue, it's lined up, ready for you to jump on right after. So I'll literally deliver one show and then jump right onto the next one. Wow. And it's been like that for four four seasons. Now the the good thing is, what I was describing to you about this the temp score process mm -hmm. when they're cutting when they're editing is that sometimes I get a break because there'll be a two or three minute section where. Let's just use that piece. Then I don't have to write something. So that's always really nice. And my, um, it's, it's always going to be for the benefit of the show. So if there's right. something from previous show, the episode that I've written, that works, that works there, yeah. and I know it's going to work and it's great, then we all like it, let's use it. So well, it saves me a little bit of time. I think right? that's the, the beauty of the fact that fans who have listened and paid attention, you know, fans are rabid. We, we pay, watch the shows all the time, episode yeah multiple times and they know and recognize these things which is why the question about the Nathan and Audrey thing came is like we recognize this yeah. and it's come up like the pancakes theme I think you had right. uh, on the soundtrack in yeah. like, wait, is that, the, is that it? and I know people have asked and, and that's why Right. Um, it works so well is because it kind of has built a library for you but also has kind of made an impression 
right. for fans. Yeah. Which, which I guess also... And it becomes recognizable, like you're saying. Yeah. Like it's just, you know, I, at the beginning, I was a little uneasy about the music. For, I just really was trying to get footing that first season, really. And what I used to tell people, they used to say, what kind of music is it in Haven? Like, what's that? What's the music sound like? And I said, I don't really know. <laughs> because I, and I, how I used to justify it was saying, well, no one knows what's going on in Haven. No yeah. one actually knows what's happening with this town. <laughs> I don't know what's happening with the music either. That's how I'm saying it. That's how I'm playing it. Because it was just this sort of hodgepodge of trying stuff and weird sounds. But throughout that, that was the process. And that's kind of what we ended up with. Okay. Was each episode was just trying something different. And it became that concept of trying something different. Trying to find the sound for Haven mm -hmm. became the sound for Haven. That the process became the actual end result, which, very which is very Haven-like, but yeah. it happened totally by accident. It was me being a little frustrated because I couldn't really put my finger on what it was. Mm -hmm. Whereas on, on the bridge, that bridge music is, there's these sounds, there's a list of eight or nine sounds that are used. Yeah. And there's, it, you do it like this and this is what it is and this is what the producers love and we do it like that every single time. So I have a, a palette mm -hmm. that I can paint my numbers with. Haven, it's much more difficult. There's, it still can be done like that, but it's just, it's about this identifying a target. And I think every TV composer would agree with me saying that if you can identify what the producers like and what the general sound is and what the what the actual instrumentation is yeah. that's going to work for the show. If you have that box mm -hmm. that you can work within and just kind of know what it is, because the possibilities are are literally limitless. You can try Number so different many different things. So it's finding something that works. And I got really fortunate on Motive and on the bridge where I was making a sound that they really responded to that was different, mm -hmm. very simple, not a lot of, you know, quote unquote melody and music being written. In Haven, there was a lot of that at the beginning. There was a lot of pads and a lot of just percussion and and not much melody, not much theme, except for, like we're saying, the Lucy Ripley thing or the, the piano theme, and then trying to get back in more music as things got more emotional. Uh, Scott Shepard, who's a wonderful creative talent, and I'm a huge fan, and he's just a wonderful guy and a, a fantastic friend, he liked the weird atonal pad-like stuff that didn't have much music mm -hmm. in it. He loved that and he loved the guitar stuff. Whereas Sean, Sean's a real romantic, he loves melody and harmony the and piano. he loves piano and he loves to hear themes and he loves to be moved by music and mm -hmm. he's not afraid of melody being right up there with dialogue and he's always been like that. His dad was like that too. Um, in, on the Dead Zone and on Wildfire, you know, there's a lot of themes and a lot of music being played. It. So, um, Haven is, is is both. It's that atonal strangeness mm -hmm. that Scott really championed and that made a very cool, unique sound. And then it, it's this the Sean Pillar uh, music approach, which is melodic and beautiful and and moving and not not afraid to play a melody or have some chord changes and stuff like that. Now, when we, um, when Sci-Fi, I think, came behind the scenes, yeah, you did that little video where the video was done. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. So we saw that you 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 score the music, yeah, and, and you work on it. 
but it, it seems like you don't see the full end product. So do you watch the end product when it airs or it comes out on? I watch movies? it when it airs. When I was saying that I go up to Toronto to uh, to watch a mix, mm-hmm. usually at the beginning, one one at the beginning of the year, one at the end of the season, to see all the people that are working out there because we don't, I don't get to see these folks. We're right. always on the phone with each other. But in the mixing studio there on the, on the mixing stage where they combine sound effects, dialogue, and music. Yeah. That's where you actually hear the final product. You hear the final product. You don't see the final video yet. Mm-hmm. Usually we're mixing. There's still visual effects that are needing to be done. But, you know, on all my series, what I do is as soon as they're done and they're out, I buy them on iTunes immediately. And I'll watch them on, I'll watch them on, I own them and watch right. them on iTunes or record them or tune in and watch them. But that's truly when you see the final product. Okay. It's just, there's so much stuff after I'm done. I'm the last person really who works on the show mm-hmm. uh, in the, well, I shouldn't say in the post capacity. Like, you know, if we look at sound effects and, you know, dialogue, sound effects and, and music, I'm, music gets it last. I finish it. It's kind of like the, the icing, so to speak, in the audio portion. Okay. But, the visual effects people and the color timing people and the titling people, all of that, they get it after it's done just before it goes to air. So there's still that. So we never really see the so final. it's actually final. on air. Yeah. Okay. But I work to a locked picture. So at le- the picture's not changing mm-hmm. uh, at all when I'm working on it, which is encouraging because that, that can be a bit of a challenge. But in television, the norm is to work to a locked picture. So at least... I work to a picture that I know that's the episode. That's very yeah. helpful. Otherwise, can you imagine how many changes? Oh, yeah. Well, it used to be like that. And film, it's like that. Oh, no. It's hard to work to a locked film because you're working throughout the whole process. But the television, you, know, you lock the show, you do the work, you mix it, and you move on to the next one. Okay. Well, before we end, yeah. I play a little game in my interviews. It's okay. called This or That. Okay. It's 10 of them. You, you pick which one works for you. Okay. Okay? Uh, which you prefer, essentially. All right. So... Don't think too long. Okay. Basketball or football? Football. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Ice cream or Froyo? Ice cream. Summer or winter? Summer. Finding Nemo or Toy Story? Toy Story. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Superman or Batman? Batman. iOS or Android? iOS. Books or movies? Mmm. Movies. And the last one is action or comedy? Action. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Oh, Sean, thank for you, Amy. Thank you for stopping that. in. Yeah, it's great. I wish I was set up in my studio uh, so you could see what's going on there and you can see my Haven pictures and posters up and stuff. I was kind of hoping that we'd be in that environment. That's okay. I can always come back. We'll do that for season seven. Up. There you go. Yeah. We'll make it work. Yeah. Thank absolutely. you very much. Oh, thank you. All right. And there you have it, Haven fans. That was Sean Pierce of Haven speaking with us about composing for the show that we love. And so just a few notes to wrap it up. One, if you heard a noise in the background that was a dog barking, that was Sean's dog, Flo, who was there. And also, if you heard mention of Kathleen, that is not a new character coming to Haven. That is Sean's fiance. So just to be clear, there are no new characters coming to Haven or motive, or bridge. He was just mentioning his fiance. Also, let me take this time to apologize to Mags. Her Twitter name is pronounced Hoot and Butte. Apologies. I'm going to mess that up in the next interview as well, so I'm going to just go ahead and apologize for that now.
So till next time, Haven fans, this is Amy J saying peace. This is Revisiting Haven.